Welcome to Junior Elza Now What? Spiritual 187. So for the next major topic that I'm studying, and I'm not going to go into really a lot of detail here because I haven't studied on it very much yet, but um, I have found it interesting to kind of dovetails off of my last study, which was about um, justice versus mercy uh, versus the atonement versus Newton's third law. Uh, this is related to that because it is also part of the atonement, and that is specifically the resurrection. And as we study the plan of happiness, the, the, the gospel in essence, one of the things that we learn about resurrection is that it is all, for all intents and purposes, free. Um, and, and I don't mean free like there was no payment made. There obviously was. But we don't have to do anything to be resurrected. Quite honestly, the only thing we had to do was choose to be born. Once we made that choice, resurrection became inevitable. We can't actually choose not to be resurrected. It is just simply going to happen. And so I've posed the question to myself anyway, and to a few others that I've talked to, why did it have to be free? I don't think that our Savior would have made it free just on a whim. It doesn't do anything like that. Everything he does has a plan and a purpose. Um, and so, to that end, there's obviously a reason why the resurrection had to be free. I have my suspicions, but they aren't founded in any uh, scriptorial or, or doctrinal fact. So, I'm not going to dive into them until I can do my research on it. But it's a question worth pondering, something to consider. Um, something else that I have pondered, and I have a... Uh, uh, a theory on, and I am going to share this one uh, just because I think this is fascinating uh, because this was a conversation I remember having from the time that I was pretty little uh, with different people, church members and not, uh, and you know, at church and, and primary class and that kind of stuff. And the question is, when we go all the way back to the Bible, we go all the way back to the Old Testament, we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we learn about Noah and the flood. One of the really cool things, and I encourage you to go back and read this, and I'm not going to right here right now because this isn't the primary focus of this particular podcast, but it is still of interest, is after the flood occurred, um, God comes to Noah and basically says, I am blessing the world with rainbow because um, it's, it's basically a commitment that I'm never going to flood the earth again, or at least that's the interpretation a lot of people take out of it. Uh, I would go back to the book of Genesis and read that if you get a chance, um, that promise. It's actually really cool, and it's bigger and deeper than just simply, we're not going to, uh, you know, the earth's not going to flood again. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, even though it's not really super long. However, let's, let's look at it from a, a physics standpoint for a moment. Um, I remember hearing tales from people that before the flood, the reason why there was no rainbows was because it had never rained. And there's various different theories and myths behind why that's the case. We all know from just science alone that that's inaccurate. Um, it very obviously rained and snowed and whatever else before the flood. So if there was no rainbows before the flood, there had to be a reason behind that. And there could be various different arguments about that. But the truth of the matter is, is to create a rainbow is actually very simple. Um, now, there's more mechanics to it than most people think of. Um, if you ever really want to dig into it, uh, when it comes to a rainbow that you're seeing because of rain or mist, um, specifically a rainbow that's derived from the light from the sun, 
the earth has to be positioned such. It has to be a certain times of the day. Um, the, the rain volume has to be or moisture volume has to be a certain amount. Um, it's not just like it's just going to happen willy-nilly. That's one of the reasons why people get so excited when they see one um, based off the prismatic effect from light uh, or, or from you know rain or water and, and light. Um, because it, it's not super easy, which translates into not super common. But I would argue that all those factors existed before uh, the flood, before Noah. So why were there no rainbows up to that point? And this is actually going to go back to something that I talked about some time ago. And, and that is, is God is God, not because he can defy the laws or even so much as he creates the laws, but because he is the laws, he knows the laws and therefore he knows how to use the laws to do things. Um, I, I had made uh, the alluded idea that specifically like Newton's third law, what if God had the power to turn that on and off? The law of for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Um, what if he could just turn it off? Now, that does that, that mean he's defying the law or does it mean he knows enough about the law on how to manage that particular law of physics? Uh, I would argue the same principle applies to rainbows. Rainbows are really nothing more than I think the term is refraction, um, which is basically taking light and, 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 and putting it through a prism and then it breaks it up into its many colors. Uh, what if that physics function could be turned off or turned on based off of God's will? Um, it sounds miraculous, and I would argue it probably is to those of us who don't know enough. And what that tells me is if God can do that, which I'm sure he could, then there must be laws around these things that we just simply don't know. And if we did, it would probably seem less miraculous, but that doesn't mean make God any less God. Uh, so just another one of those food for thought, something to think about. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about as I was studying, or as I have been studying the resurrection, I came across just an interesting quote that I wanted to share. Uh, this comes from uh, Elder Oaks. This is the spring of 2000, um, uh, spring of 2000 um, general conference, I believe. And the title of the talk was actually Resurrection. It's been a fascinating talk to read through. And this is what he says. Um, he's quoting from... Um, Luke, I believe specifically, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. This is the important part. Then opened he their understanding and said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooveth Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. The key here is, or I should say, end quote. The key here is then opened he their understanding. So this is where the interesting part about faith becomes so critical. What if our capacity to comprehend God, his laws, the gospel, and again, assuming that the laws of the universe are the same as God's laws, the laws of the gospel, and so on and so forth, what if the only way to truly comprehend it is when God lets us or unlocks it for us so that we can. We know that the Holy Ghost, part of his purpose is comprehension and the changing of our hearts. And so if we don't have the faith to follow the commandments that God has laid out before us, 
does it make sense for God to unlock our understanding? Or would it make more sense for us to live in naive and misunderstandings? Look at the age, the, the dark ages. For almost 2,000 years, things did not progress very much. The gospel was taken from the earth. The Holy Ghost was no longer here, or not here much anyway. We know there are moments that he was. And people did not comprehend the universe as much. That doesn't mean things didn't happen and people didn't learn stuff. But I would argue that we were on our own, largely, to do those things. And yet, when God is present and the Holy Ghost is present, then things progress at a much more rapid pace. Largely, our understanding, which leads to our capacity to make better and wiser decisions. So this tells me that faith is that much more critical because we have to have faith that our eyes will be opened and our ears will be opened and that our hearts will be softened and that we will be, in essence, unlocked to understanding based off of the fact that we are willing to listen. That's all I have. And in the immortal words of my youngest son, Superman, Smile, be happy, and remember that you're worth it. Thanks for listening.